Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Look at the person next to you and say, relax, just for a little while, just for a little while, relax, just for a little while. I say that, I say that freely, openly, truthfully. God has been really stirring in my heart a word. If you're taking notes, write this word down, write this word down. It's the word rest, rest. And he, he truly has been speaking this word rest in, uh, in my heart and, and he's dropping it on my heart heavily. So much that on Friday I had the opportunity. Friday was such a weird day for me. Anyone have a weird day this week? Okay, good. One, two of you had weird days this week. Well, I had a weird day this week, Friday. I, I really just wanted Friday to be the, a day that I just get um, away. And uh, what I mean by that is just get alone with God. And I, I wanted to do something romantic with God. <laughs> like I just wanted to go like, to a park. But then it's like Miami in the winter, it's actually summer and stuff like that. So, but it was really hot and sticky, but it was good. But I tried so many things. I tried a Starbucks. My ADD doesn't work good. Um, every time that door opened, every time someone got next to me, I was just looking. Then I ran into someone that I knew, and I started talking to them. And, and after two hours of nothingness, I said, I got to get out of here. I was so mad. I said, God, you know, I wasted two hours of my afternoon, and I got up, put everything in my bag, got into my car. I said, where do I go now? And I went to a park close by, and I started to drive around the park. I, didn't re- I forgot that they, they, they um, built a high school in the middle of the park, so there was a little bit of traffic and, and students screaming out in the PE field, and I said, this stinks. So I went a little bit deeper, and I found a little pavilion area, a little bench outside the pavilion area. So I sat there, and I said, okay, this is good. Then I, I, I sit there and I start feeling something on my legs and I'm realizing there's ants crawling up and I can't get comfortable and then my phone starts to ring and, and there's a few people calling me and my phone's ringing and I have ants coming up my legs and I'm like, gosh, man, I just want to get alone. So then I went into the pavilion. I'm like, I'm guessing you don't have to, you know, I could just sit here. It's a weekday. It's no big deal. And then a whole company comes to the pavilion next to me and decides to pressure clean the pavilion next to me. And I'm like, Are you, you got to be kidding me. I almost felt like... Um, like the prophet in the cave, you know? There was so much noise, there was ants, there was, there was pressure cleaning, there was noises, there was phones ringing, there was fire, there was an earthquake, there was all things, and the voice of the Lord was in none of them. <laughs> and then finally, I just put my head down, I said, God, you just speak to my heart. And, um, and then in a still small voice, God began to speak. How many of you have ever heard that still small voice? God doesn't always have to scream. God sometimes gets all the screaming out of the way and says, now you could hear me, learn to hear me. Sometimes he needs to not let there be fire and earthquakes and screaming so you could learn what his voice sounds like. And he started to speak to me about rest. So this is so interesting because I wanted to share this message on rest as we're talking about I am 10 and, and, and leading into our, our, our 10 year anniversary. We, we've been just celebrating every year a special preaching and, and this one has somewhat to do with a seven-year anniversary that we did when we spoke on rest. But I don't know where this is going to go after today because I believe after, two, after we leave 2014 today, our seven-year anniversary going into our 10 now, I believe that maybe next week we might have to put a hold and continue with what the Lord even shared in my heart at the park when it deals with rest. And I might, I might just want to ride that rest word for a little while. And I think that's going to that's gonna continue to move on to what God is speaking to us uh, 
there's a lot of cool things that God is speaking to us, but I want to be, um, be very sensitive to how he wants us to speak it, study it, chew on it, to then drop it on your heart so that you could actually receive it the way I feel I'm receiving it. You know what I mean? So there's a lot. There's like a crazy word called harvest that soon we're going to start like surfing on it for a while, harvest, and what that looks like and um, very soon. And, and I just want to let the Lord continue to pour that word harvest in me um, before I share it. How many of you can say amen? But how many of you are here today and you could, um, you could answer this question because maybe you, you're going through this. What is the one thing almost everyone, maybe even every nation in this world is looking for? What, what is one thing that everyone maybe in this room is looking for, people outside this room? All over the world, people are looking for peace. I just need peace. We just need peace. Where is there peace? And I believe there's a peace in the word called rest. And, and I think that's what we're crying out for. I think this world is crying peace. I think it, I think it really is. Some of you guys thought that, no, I'm not even going to go there. But, but yeah, peace. You, you're recognizing that it doesn't really matter who you vote for. Um, as a president, and in the pre, when the presidential campaign came on, and we have our, our president now in the White House. He's actually in Japan right now. But, but yet, that's not the answer of peace. That's not the answer of rest. And if she would have won, I'm so sorry to tell you this, she would not have been your rest and your peace either. And in four years, if there's, another, if there's a new president, I'm going to tell you something right now before it comes in four years from now. That person, he or she, the way we're going, maybe it's even a robot, okay, they're not going to be your peace either. They're not going to be your rest. You know, rest is so special. We see it all over the Bible, actually. We see it in the beginning of all things. In the book of Genesis, we see rest. We see God working so hard. He's creating all things. And as he's creating all things within six days, there is also a seventh day. Everyone say seven. seven. Yeah, let me tell you why I want you to say seven. There's a seventh day that was created as well. We always tend to talk about the six days of creation, and then he created the seventh day, and the seventh day was of rest. But we always teach on the six days of creation and what those six days brought forth. But don't forget that he also created a seventh day. So there were six days of creation. On the seventh day, he created it as well. And, 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 and on the seventh day, we see a part of him that, that is all, um, obviously often ignored. It actually becomes even a part of us that we ignore within ourselves. I, I want to read something to you. It's the beginning of the Bible. It's Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read three verses right now. I'm going to go all over the word today. But I want to read verses <clears throat> 1, 2, and 3 of Genesis chapter 2. Check this out. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Verse 3, <clears throat> then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. Everyone with me? Genesis chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. He sanctified the seventh day. He made it hollowed. It was a holy day. That's what that word means. It was a day of sanctification, a holy day. It was a day of set apart, and he rested from all of his work, which he did, and all that he created and was made. Guys, listen, in verse 2 and 3, it emphasizes here that, yes, that God rested. And you look at this, and you say, this is interesting. This is very alarming to us because here's God in the scripture, in this text, and he's taking a break. He's taking a rest. He took time to rest after all this creating. And God could have given himself energy because he's the creator of all things. And he could have given unlimited energy into him, into his life. So that's the reason why I don't think necessarily that that's what that rest was for. 
I don't really think that God actually somewhere in his throne sat down and put his head on a pillow and kicked up and put covers over him, turned on the TV and said, today on this seventh day I rest. I think that's what we picture, but I don't think that's what was happening in the glory of heaven. I think we think he went to a quiet place, turned off all the noise and just shut it down and said, man, that was some six days of good work. But today I'm just going to get away and vacate for a little while and just celebrate everything that I've done and Everything that I've created, man, because on every day I said it is good. So I'm just going to kick back in the midst of nothingness and just rest. I'm actually going to tell all the angels that continue to sing holy, holy, holy around me. And all the thunderings and the lightnings and the waters that are, everything that is around me. I'm actually going to tell it all to pause on the seventh day just so that I could find some rest. Do you actually think that's what happened on the seventh day? I really don't think so. I don't think God did that. I don't think he rested because he was tired is what I'm saying. Please listen to this. I believe he rested because he wanted to show his creation, us, another part, another part of a created thing, another part of creation itself. And he wanted to show his creation something that was special just for them. And we never consider this, but, but rest The word rest is actually part of God's creation. On the first day he created, on the second day he created, on the third day he created, fourth, fifth, and sixth day he created. But on the seventh day, he stopped from what he was doing and he rested. Right there, he created what is called rest. On the seventh day is also the day of creation of rest. I want you to understand that, that it was also a day seven which he created, but day seven is nothing. It's not nothing. Day seven is not, oh, it's day seven in the day of creation, so that means I just pause at all. Day seven is going to point to something so amazing to every single one of you that says this, how do I find peace in my life? Well, I'm going to tell you today, he created day seven just for that answer. I'm going to show you how to find peace in your life. I'm going to show you exactly how it is. Exit all the works from days one, two, three, four, five, and six because days one through six, days one through six represent work, but day seven represents rest. And, and sometimes we find, I could probably find peace if I put more work into this. And God might be telling you, no, actually, you're going to be more stressed out if you continue to put work into this. So I need you to exit days one through six. Put all the works aside. Put all the performance aside. Put all your knowledge and your understanding and your wisdom aside. And enter the seventh day that I've created for you so that I could give you the answer of how does the issues in my family get solved? How do the issues that happen deep down in my soul get solved? How does the bitterness and the hurt and the pain and the loneliness that I feel get solved? I'm going to tell you today, welcome to day number seven. You're going to come into a place of rest. So wait, that's going to solve my family? Absolutely it is. If your family stops living in days one through six and begins to live on day seven, rest, you're going to see your whole family come back to order again. You're going to see yourself come back to order again. Because you're going to recognize that day seven is not even a day. And we know that for you guys that were here for seven years, for the seventh year. But we're going to get into this because I believe next week we might even continue on this. He takes this stress so serious that He gives the children of Israel ten commandments, and the fourth is to keep the Sabbath as a day of rest. But I'm going to fly through this. Please, if you're taking notes, write this. It's Exodus 28, 9, 10, and 11. Exodus 28 through 11. I want to read this so you could get it. Look what he tells the children of Israel, the Israelites. Everyone say, give it to me. 
That was about 40% of you, so we're getting there. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it what? To keep it set apart, holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Six days you shall labor and do all your works. Labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. Stop with the works. Nor your son, nor your daughters, nor your servants, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in the sixth day the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it or made it holy. What is he telling the children of Israel? I created rest. So rest. And not only you, but everything that belongs to you and even the ones that are visiting you on that. Introduce them. It's almost as if he's saying, you're the children of Israel, you're the Israelites. You're going to experience rest. And anyone that does any kind of life with you, you need to introduce them to that rest. And if they're in your yard, make sure they're resting with you. I created this rest. I, I purposely, Israelites, I purposely set a day apart for you. I've made it holy. I've sanctified it. And, and the Lord is telling his people, people, you, you've worked hard and I've seen your work for six days. How many of you feel, man, I've done a lot. I've done a lot to fix problems. I've done a lot. I've done my job already. How many of you feel that way? I've done everything that I could do. I've tried my best already. Man, that's me. I've done everything. I've, Lord, I've pastored the way you wanted me to pastor. At least I think I have. I've, I've counseled the way you've told me to counsel. At least I think I have. Lord, I've, I've lived the way you, you, you're calling me to live. I think, at least I think I have. And, and, and I'm doing my best. And I'm working on my best. And I'm trying my best. And God says, good. I'm glad that you're at your end of yourself. Because now you're going to find the beginning of me. I needed you to get to a place where you're so fed up with yourself and everything that you've tried to do that you recognize that I can't do it anymore. I got to walk into a day called seven because there is where all my works, all my works are of no validation or of no really help to me. I just got to come to a place of presence and rest. And God, you become my fulfillment. You become my energy. You become my vision. You become my goals. You become everything. I need day seven in my life. And that's kind of what he's talking about here. It's set apart for you. He instructs Moses on the seventh year. Again, just so you could get the origin of all this stuff. Because we're going to get into the New Testament in a moment. He instructs Moses what to tell the Israelites yet again on this seventh year. When they enter into the promised land. Make sure every seventh year they go through this. And, and I'll read verses uh, 1 through 7. Quick like I just did with the last passage. It says... While Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you've entered the land, I'm going to give you. The land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. For the six years that you may plant your, six years you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. Verse 4, but during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year and don't store away the crops that grow on their own or gather the grapes from their unpruned vines. The lamb must have a year of complete rest. But you may eat whatever the lamb produces on its own during the Sabbath. This applies to you, your male, your female servants, your hired workers, the temporary residents who lives with you, your livestock and the wild animals in your land will also be allowed to eat what the lamb produces. I like that. I like that. He's almost telling the Israelites, I, I don't think for once that everything you did for the first six 
won't be, won't be seen and you won't see produce in it on the seventh year. Don't think that everything you've done, everything you've tried so hard on, I haven't really looked upon it. But if you just recognize there's a fruit that comes on this year of rest, that then you're going to be able to eat of it. It's crazy because did you notice on years one through six, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of planting, it's a lot of growing, but they're not really enjoying the whole harvest of eating it and all that. The receiving from all the work that they've put on happened on the seventh year, just like he created the seventh day. There is where that joy and that jubilee is found. And here, here we have a part of the reason why today, not only in Judaism, but people decide that the proper thing to do in our lives is to just rest on a Saturday. I, I know what that's like. I know a lot of people that decide that Saturdays are the holy days. That nothing should be done on a Saturday. It's the Lord's day. We need to go to the Lord's house. We need to keep that day holy. But then we read in Hebrews something very special. And now is when I'm going to get into the message because... In Hebrews chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, the writer begins to write, the author of Hebrews. And he begins to give input to something that is so important to every single hearer. And this is the, what the Lord dropped in my heart in the, under a pavilion while someone was pressure washing me after I stomped on ants, after I left Starbucks, after I was going crazy. And God just spoke a special word right into my heart. And this is what he said. Are you ready? For all who have rested into God's rest has rested from their labors. For all who have rested into God's rest. Just as God did after creating the world. Hebrews 4, 9, 10, 11 says, So there is a special rest waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have entered from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Guys, Hebrews 4, 9, 10, and 11. Listen to this. Listen to this for a moment. There is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. You and I would read that in the New Testament and recognize, wait a minute. We thought that the people of God already had a special day of rest and that was day seven. So why now is the author of Hebrews writing something totally different? He's saying, wait a minute, there is a special rest now. It's, it's beyond day seven. And it's waiting for the people of God. Come on. You who walked in here today that says, how do I find peace in my life? Come on, you that walked in here and there was just a cloud over you. Come on, you that walked in here and you haven't seen a sunny day in a long time because it has been raining and not like the rains of God. It's just been raining sorrow over your life. And, 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 and then the author of Hebrews says, wait a minute. For you that just walked in here so cloudy and, and in such distress, there is a special rest and it's still waiting for the people of God. Because, because what the seventh day was empty of doing, because it was actually pointing to something else, now I'm going to reveal to you what this, what this special rest which is waiting for you is. And all who have entered into this rest from God, God's rest, they have rested from all their work. From all their work. <clears throat> the author of Hebrews here, he's speaking to two groups of people in this passage. Just, just so you can understand the context. He's speaking to number one, the Israelites. That during the exodus from Egypt, they experienced this rest as God gave it to them. But now in the New Testament, he's not writing necessarily to that group. He's now writing to the church of his day that he's writing to. And, 
And he's writing to his current church that there's a rest that still awaits, that's not the same rest from the children of Israel in the wilderness. It's a different kind of rest. And there was a good news in the Exodus. It included God's promise and and deliverance and and, and Egypt, from Egypt, the covenant. He established it with the Israelites and and the hope of you're going to enter into a promised land. There's good news. There's good news. But I want you to know today that that's not just the story of old. I want you to know today that whatever it is right now that's in your mind, come on, listen to what I'm about to tell you. There is good news, not just for the Israelites of old. There is good news for the bride of Christ that sits here today. There is good news for the people of God that are under this word today. And the good news for the church is this. It includes the revelation and deliverance that is found in only Jesus Christ. There was an old covenant. Everyone say old covenant. But now there's a new covenant. And he established the new covenant through through his highly A high priestly sacrifice. This hope of eternity. The good news. In Hebrews chapter 4, when you read verses 1, 2, and 3, and you fall on chapter 4, and you begin to read those words, it pops out of the pages. And you start to recognize that what Hebrews 4 is describing, that our rest is Jesus. And it's nothing else, nothing less. It is found in a man, and his name is Jesus. After, amen. And it's provided by Jesus. After three chapters of telling them that Jesus, because I don't have time to read chapters 1, 2, and 3. If this was an ongoing Bible study, I would. But in in chapters 1, 2, and 3, he's describing Jesus is superior than angels, and he is our high priest. And and the author of Hebrews, because we're not sure who it is, he begins to plead with them to, please do not harden your heart. How many of you, I'm talking about rest right now and peace right now. There's peace for you. There's peace for your family. I'm talking about today, God could rip through your land, and you could actually enter the promised land of rest today. But in the midst of me declaring that over your life, there's a hardness in your heart. I don't believe it. I don't declare it. I doubt it. It never happened before. Why would it happen today? That's hardness of heart. Look what the author is describing there. It's exactly what he's describing in all of these chapters. He's pleading them, don't harden your hearts against God. Because that's what our fathers did. They hardened their hearts against Jehovah, against Yahweh in the wilderness. They did not have belief. They were filled with unbelief, he tells them. God denied that generation access into the Holy Land. Look look what the Lord tells them. And and for your notes, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11. It says, those people, because they have hardened their hearts, because they have denied me. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11, it says, they will not enter my rest. So I look at this passage and I recognize, wait a minute. The only way that I could enter this rest is if I come to a place where I start believing and I stop denying in Jesus. As long as I continue to deny, I continue to lose out on my rest. And, 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 and Hebrews author is saying, don't make the same mistake. Don't reject God's Sabbath. It's not in a day, not at all. 
but it's in that person who I'm declaring to you, and his name is Jesus. I'm going to read this one more time to you. It's Hebrews 4, 9, 10, and 11. Here it is. Ready? There is no, here it is. There is a special rest, a special rest that is waiting for the people of God. And all who have entered into God's rest have entered from their labors, have rested from their labors. All that have entered have rested. Just as God did after creating the world. I'm going to talk about that probably next week. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But here it is. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. We will fall from that rest. The Hebrews author is saying there is no other Sabbath. There is no other rest besides him. That, that Jesus alone, he satisfies this, this requirement of the law, that, that he alone provides this sacrifice that atones us all for our sin, that, that he is God's plan for every single one of us to cease from the labor of our own works. And, and may we dare not to reject this one and only way of salvation, which is found in Jesus. Jesus actually says in John 14, 6, says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the entrance to that fulfillment. I am the entrance. I am the requirement of everything that the law for so many years has preached to you. And you've tried to obey. And you've tried to do. And you've tried to become. And as much as you've done it, all you've done is consistently fall, fall, fall. So here's the answer for your fallen state. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And there's only one way to the Father. And it's through me. I am the requirement that fulfills the law. You, you love you look for rest in doing and you look for rest in people and you look for rest in some sort of other thing. But there's only one door and there's only one way. I'm going to speak to you guys about harvest, but something special happened a couple uh, Wednesdays ago. And there was a, a prophetic word that was given over this house. And I believe it's, it's exactly what God is leading us into. So many weird things have happened in the last month or so that we've been writing and journaling everything down that soon we're going to just share it all and speak it on and give it all into a timetable fashion. But something special happened because I went from a week before on Sunday, I went talking about, hey, when things try to bury you, recognize, get the revelation that you're a seed. How many of you remember that Sunday? And when you bury seed, they make a mistake by trying to bury you. How many of you have tried to, you, your family, certain issues in your life, whatever it is, you've been buried and you feel like you're deep in the ground and you can't even breathe, like, I can't take this, not one more day. You know who you are. You don't have to raise your hand. But the, but the good thing and the promise of the scripture is that if you are seed and you've been buried, something good comes from that seed. There's going to be growth that comes from that. And I was in the middle of, of I forgot about that, and I said, well, they make a mistake because... Because from you, something is going to grow out of that, and it's good to bury seed. And then I was here on a Wednesday, and I started praying. I said, I see a field. How many of you remember that? And it was a wide and deep field, and I couldn't see the end of it. But as I stood in that field, I said this. I said, it was a huge land, but something in there was missing. And, I, and as I was looking at that land, I recognized that there should be trees here. And there's no trees. And I began to say that in prayer. I don't know if you guys remember that. And, and there's no trees, but then out of nowhere, as we were seeking the Lord, I, I began to see things just to sprout out of the ground. Not massively, not quickly, but very slowly, just the beginning of trees began just to grow from the ground. And, and, and this is what was missing, missing. And I completely forgot 
about that Sunday's word that I gave about a seed being planted. And then Wednesday, I'm seeing trees growing. And then out of nowhere, there's this woman who is just weird, who never comes to our midweek, who really doesn't even come that much to visit our church because she's so involved in her own church. She looks at me, my mom, and she says, I have a word. Can I share it? And she comes up here and she says, I see a door. And, and the door is, is and there's a, a, a massive crowd in front of the door. And there's a door, and it's a beautiful door. It's like a door that, that represents like the tabernacle. I don't know what she said, something like that. I wrote it down as I'm journaling and everything. I don't have it with me right now. And, 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 and she says, but then I see that that door needs to be open. And when the door is open, because he wants to open it, and there's another massive crowd on the other side of that door, and he opens that door, there, there is a glory, and that's where the presence of God is at. And he's calling the crowd that's on the other side of that door to come in because there's a glory and there's a there's a power and I'm like yeah 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 that's exactly what I'm talking about I'm tired of standing by the door and knocking at the door and trying to jam the door open I need that door to open because I recognize that on the other side of that door this seed has been buried it's about to come out of the ground I need to walk through that door because on the other side of that door when he opens it there is a presence and that presence equals there is my rest there is my peace there's the answer to my family there's the answer to my marriage there's my answer to my brother there's the answer to my sister there's the answer to my church open the door God I'm gonna go and I'm gonna make home where your presence is and I'm gonna bask in Jesus where my rest is found and then we came into a fast and and it was a time of harvest and we'll have a whole other discussion on that we might preach a whole year on that and in this harvest God begins to tell us the same kind of stuff sit at my feet get a revelation of what I'm going to show you at my feet get to a place of intimacy recognize the deep things that I'm going to show you in my presence and let that be about everything stop worrying about cooking something good in the kitchen Martha and start worrying about the presence and the glory that is found in the feet, Mary. It's t- so. So I we said something on Wednesday, and we said we said we're gonna start we're gonna start winning in the kitchen because we're first winning at the feet of Jesus. We're gonna start seeing glory in the places of service and not burnout and not hurt and not pain because because we're at a place of being lost in the glory, in the intimacy, in the devotion, and in the presence of God. What is the greatest thing you want? To cook a meal in the kitchen or to stay at his feet in his presence? Tells a lot about you. How many of you are tired of cooking in the kitchen? God, 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 go tell my sister to come and help. I'm preaching a whole other message. I gotta go back to rest, but tell, tell my, tell, maybe that's the one. God's like, just go back to that one. But tell my sister, tell my sister to come back and, and tell, her, tell her to help me. She has not one time gotten up from your feet and helped me. And I haven't stopped by serving people. And the Lord says, oh, Martha, 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 there is one thing that is needed. And your sister chose the good part. And it will not be taken away from her. You see, because you thought that your serving was going to fill your emptiness. Come on. But none of it filled you. The more you did, the emptier you became. And your answer is found at the place of the presence of Jesus. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So we we go from working one job to two jobs to three jobs to make more money. And yet having more money didn't solve your problems. I have no kids, so I had a kid. didn't solve your problem. So you had a second kid. It didn't solve your problem. Maybe if I have three, three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, three is a number. 
and the third one came out like the devil, but, <laughs> but you had three, and that didn't solve your problem. So you said, I'm going to move. So you move from your house, or you move from a city, you move from a town, and you went to another place. Said, For sure, this is where it's at. If I move and I relocate my family and I re- relocate myself, in my relocation, there is where I'm going to find it. So you relocate yourself, and in your relocation, you recognize, oh, shoot, there wasn't my help either. So some of you guys went up to your job and you said to your, your boss, I'm, I'm giving in my two weeks and I quit. I'm going to go work somewhere else. I don't know yet where, but God's my provider and he's good and he leads the way for me. And you get another job and yet there your peace and your rest is still not found. Because what God is going to show you is as much as you continue to do, you're not going to find rest in anything you could, you're going to find yourself doing. Because in everything that you find yourself doing, you're going to always lean on that thing to seek and find rest. And for it to please you and appease you, appease you and to fill your need but you're going to come to a place where you're going to recognize I need to stop everything that I'm doing shutting off everything that I'm watching closing my ears to everything that I'm hearing and find one place that is needed of me and that will never be taken away and that is the feet of Jesus where everything is solved for me once and for all I need his rest I need his rest I need his rest I, I really need his rest I think we have like seven people that are going to get baptized. I have, a, I have a feeling that maybe one or two or three more of you are going to be like, I want to get baptized today too. And we're going to dunk you in your clothes. No, I mean serious too. Because who cares if you get your car wet? My wife brought, how many towels did you bring? Five? There might be five or six more people that are going to say, I'm going to get baptized. Because God put it in my wife's heart. I'm not trying to like, oh, I'm going to... Play with your emotions and have you come now and get baptized so we could go from 7 to 15 people and then we could say, oh, we baptized 15. And we could, we could put a quote up on Instagram saying 15 people were baptized today. We're not even going to put how many people. I just got to say that maybe the Spirit of the Lord said take six because there's six more that are going to get baptized today and commit their lives to Jesus. What does that mean? Commit their lives to the rest, to the open door place of presence where my peace is found. I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I'm going to take this just in case because I think maybe there's some people that are not going to bring their towel. So I'm bringing six more towels too because that's how Nancy is. You know what I'm saying? She probably brought all of your sandwich too and chips. Six, but just in case the, the food truck runs out of food because she was worried about that stuff and she's ready to pack you all. If you, got, if you know her, she's ready to create a miracle in herself. And, um, but, but maybe, maybe, but maybe, maybe it's because, oh, snap. Dang, I can't run away from this. He brought me a towel. I'm going to get baptized too because I believe that Jesus is calling me to rest. I got to open the door. I'm tired of being miserable and sad and lonely. I'm tired of living one day, two days, three days, four days, five days, working, working, trying to look for my peace. But finally, the door is open. I'm coming in today. Number seven, created just for me. Rest at the feet of Jesus. Bask in his glory. Find his peace. Man, this seems so much different than our seven-year anniversary. I don't know. I feel like closing. I don't even feel like preaching anymore. Hmm. Let's just skip. Go to chapter 4, verse 16. Watch this. We'll read it together. So let us come boldly. To the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy. And we're going to find grace to help us when we need it most. Huh. So, 
Verse 14 says this, starting from the top. It says, so then since we have a, have a great high priest, we who have entered into heaven, this high priest who's entered into heaven, who is Jesus, this high priest who's entered into heaven, who is Jesus, the son of God. Listen, listen, guys, don't get lost for a moment. Listen, we're going we're gonna to end and I need you for a moment. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. 15, this high priest who is Jesus who entered into heaven, this high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses. Come on. He understands your restlessness. Did I say the right word? Yeah. He understands your restlessness. He understands your sleepless nights. He understands your pills and your overeating. He understands your dark places and your depression. I just want to make sure I'm not looking at anyone. But he understands every place of your weakness. This high priest that we're talking about who now is in heaven. He understands our weaknesses. Thank God he understands my weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings and yet did not sin. So let us now, let us come boldly to this throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I love what Watchman Nee says. He says, our rest lies in looking to the Lord, not to ourselves. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Maybe you're dealing with all kinds of heaviness today. I'm going to skip a quarter of my message to close, but maybe you're filled with some sort of whatever it is that's going on that you can't find rest. I want to read two passages and then I might share something that I shared during during the week's fast, it says this in, in Psalm 127, 1 and 2. Please read these words and listen. I'm going to read from the message translation, just this passage. <clears throat> he says, if God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. If God doesn't guard the city, the night watchman might as well nap. It's almost a wrap. You know? If God doesn't build the house, builders build shacks. If God doesn't guard the city, night watchman might take a nap. I used to be a rapper. My cornrow days and you know. Big go chain. If God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. And if God doesn't guard the city, the night watchman might as well take a nap. Man, that's a good hook. It is useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? There's not a rhyme there, but there's a rhyme in your heart right there. There's a melody right there in your heart. Ooh, that sounded good to me. If God doesn't build a house, the builders are just going to build shacks. So, so what am I doing? If I try to figure all this out on myself, I'm just building a shack and not God's house to dwell in. If God doesn't guard this city, the night watchman might as well just take a nap because watch this. My safety is not found in the watchman. My safety is found in the God that lives in me. So if God is not in me being my watchman, then the watchman that, then your pastor might as well take a nap. You see what I'm trying to say? Because if God is not your watchman, if God does not reign in your heart, there's no way that I'm going to fulfill that watchman. I might as well take a nap. If you don't know God for yourself, don't come in a meeting for me trying to solve your problems or come to a meeting to someone else trying to solve your problems because the greatest person that you could go to is Jesus. Yes. I, the, the, the watchman might as well take a nap. 
if, if, if Jesus is not building that house, if he doesn't guard that city, it is useless to rise early and go to bed late and work and work and work your weary fingers to the bone. Don't you know this? He enjoys, and he enjoys this one thing, giving rest, rest, rest to the ones he loves. I want to read another passage because we got to get baptized, the other six of you, but as well as the other seven. Psalm 116.7 says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice. He's heard my supplications because he's inclined his ear to me. So therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me and the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me and I found trouble and sorrow and I called upon the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, I implore you, you deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteousness. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple and I was brought low, low to the ground because I was a seed that went down to the depths of the soil. I was brought low to the ground, but, but I was brought low, but yet he saved me. Return to your rest, oh my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Lord, speak to our souls. I'm, I'm just trying not to go too high. Keep it low, keep it low. You know, I'm not trying to, um, Lord, I, I know what you're trying to do. You're not trying to just, you, you're trying to, Speak to the soul of the individual today. That's what I feel like God's doing. He's not trying to, maybe I can say it this way. What I feel God is doing is this. I don't feel he's necessarily trying to solve the issue of your mind. I believe what he's doing is he's trying to stick his finger in the issue of your soul. Does that make any sense to anyone? Because it made sense to me when he just spoke it to me. That, that this stuff is actually something deeper that he's going to do in here. So I'm not going to just bring rest to your mind. I'm going to start by bringing rest to your soul. I'm going to deliver you from that. I shared this with a family that I've grown to love when I went to their house one day. You guys all know who it is, but whatever. And then I also shared this during... Um, I don't know what day it was, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, but one of those days. And it was the demoniac, the demoniac in, um, in, in, um, in Luke 8. Just turn there because we're going we're gonna to stand up together now in a, in a second. So just turn to Luke chapter 8 with me. I, I feel like um, I, I wrote this down again in my notes because I feel like God wanted me to go back and visit this passage today. And um, what do you know in the middle of the message? He definitely is confirming that. He wants me to revisit Luke chapter 8, the demoniac. Can you go there with me? So good. So good right now what's about to happen here. Because I believe what's about to happen here is going to set so many of you free. So many of you thought that you've been free already for years and you recognize today, shoot, I have not been free at all. Can you go to verse 26 with me in Luke chapter 8, verse 26? How many of you smell um, the food truck already? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I smell, 
gallo pinto, tajadas, queso frito, and a nice carne asada in Jesus' name. All the, and all the God's people say, yeah. You guys felt the anointing on that one. I felt that. Cebollas cocinadas. Oh, man. Hallelujah. We started talking Spanish. Hi, Elia. Any Nicaraguans in the house today? We got food from your land today. You're going to test that first to see if it really is Nicaraguan. 826, are we there? And they sailed to the country, and which is opposite of Galilee. And when he stepped out of the land there, he met a certain man from the city who had demons. He had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes. He was naked. You guys understand that? He wore no clothes. Don Cuero, he was naked. He was naked. I feel like nakedness deals with the loss of identity, doesn't it? Nakedness. He wore no clothes, and nor did he live in a house, but in tombs. That's sad, man. He is living among the dead because he was at a dead place. You know what I mean. When, when someone like leaves the Lord, they stop hanging out with the people of the Lord. They start hanging out with people that are not of the Lord because the dead just start hanging out with the dead. Are you guys with me? The lot. The light, you know, the light starts hanging out. You know, the family members that say, you're always in church. It's not that you're always in church. I'm just always hanging out with light. I used to always hang out with the dead. I used to hang, mom, am I lying? I used to hang out in the grave. My mom, you guys know, I'm not going to say the same story because it's so dumb. They're probably going to stop saying that story, but it, that's it. I used to live. I used to live among the dead because I was dead. But now I, I call services on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then if I don't see Mike, I'm like, where are you, brother? Because I need to be with light. <laughs> and that's how it is. We just, okay, let's just get into the scripture. Here it is. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell down before him. And with a loud voice, he said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of most high God? I beg you, do not torment me, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound in chains, shackles, and he broke the bonds, and he was driven by the demons into the wilderness. I believe that he was, he was driven out to the wild, and I believe that he came to a place where God was going to say, it's time to come out of the wild, and it's time to come into home. How many of you have been living in the wilderness already for a long time? Or maybe it's just one week. That was a week too much already. And God says, awesome. You're about to get out of that, please. You're going to come home today. And I know you're naked, by the way. So I'm going to get you dressed. Because you didn't have, you know why you're running around the wilderness like a crazy person? Because you don't have no identity. But you know why you don't answer that phone and you don't go to that place and you don't go where those people are? Because you have found clothes. You have found identity. So you're out of the wilderness and you're a place called home. How come you're not hanging out no more? Didn't you hear? I went back home. I got dressed. I have identity again. I'm, I'm thinking, right? Let's just read. Maybe you'll get the revelation as we read it. He was in the wilderness. So Jesus asked us, what's your name? And he said, Legion. And because many demons have entered and they begged him saying it would not. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many pigs, right? Swine was feeding there on the mountain. And they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out from the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake, and it drowned. And when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And then they went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus. 
if a bunch of pigs just jumped off a cliff, I'm sure Jesus was involved in that. Let's go check out what Jesus is doing. So they go see Jesus. Hey, Yeshua, do you know anything about the pigs that just jumped off? Because some of the farmers are really mad. They were going to cook lechong today. And they're really mad. All their pigs are gone. Do you know anything about that? You want to know... You want to know when they knew he had something about when he had something to do about that? Not necessarily because he told them something, but watch what they saw. This is so good. And then they went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus, but here it is. And they found the man from whom the demons had left sitting at the I can't make that stuff up. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. And not only was he sitting at the feet of Jesus, but guess what he was also? He was dressed. He was clothed. You think Jesus is going to leave you naked? Seriously. He was clothed. And not only was he at the feet of Jesus, and not only was he clothed, but he was also in his right. You see, I believe the right mind came because something happened right to his soul. And they were afraid. And they also, who had seen it, told them, by what means... Had this demon-possessed man been healed and the whole multitude of the surrounding region asked him to depart, get out of here, for they were seized with great fear and he got into the boat and he returned. It's cool because sometimes the very people closest to you are, are going to reject the work that God is doing in you. And it's okay. Let them reject you because someone accepts you. Mm -hmm. My buddy got that for himself today. And they also... Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him and said... That he might be with him. Can I go with you? Can I be with you? Can I follow you? But Jesus sent him away and he said, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and he proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. I, I look at this man and if we rewind to the beginning of his story, come on, let's be very honest. The dude was a maniac. He is what you would look at that person when you're driving down and you see, you know who I'm talking about. That person that stands in the corner of the road and is talking to themselves and looks dirty and has holes all over them if they're even wearing anything. And they're smelly and they're knocking at windows or they're standing by the roadside and you just drive right by them and you say, that's the freak of the town. And that's who this man was, living amongst the dead, living in the tomb, naked, running around, having no identity, no source of peace. His mind was everywhere and one day Jesus steps into the city. And when the town comes to see what happened, he's dressed, he has his right mind, and he's at the feet of Jesus. And then he says, let me go where you go. And Jesus says, you don't have to. You don't have to go where I go. You can go back to your city. Because I go, now where you go. What? Is that even biblical? Yeah. You don't longer have to go where I go. Because now I go where you go. You've come to a place of my feet where now I live in you. You don't have... I almost sang an old TLC song. Don't go chasing waterfalls and stick to the And I think the Lord is, is saying just that. 
So, so I guess we could all stand together because... Come on, let's be, let's be reverent. Let's be sensitive to the, to the Spirit of God right now. How many of you right now need to be clothed again? Need to be seated again? Need to have your right mind again? And not necessarily work your way to try to chase Jesus, but come to a place where you know that he has chased you. And now you could depart from there. And he goes where you go because now he dwells in you. I've come to the place of finding Jesus at his feet and now he goes with me and the whole city knows about the goodness of God because of the miracle he's done. It's a place called his feet where I find identity again, where my mind is made whole again, where I'm dressed again. It's a place where I'm no longer tormented, living among the dead, but it's a place where there is life, life abundance. It's a place at his feet now where I finally come to find rest and peace over my life. I don't have to wait for Sunday to get here for my great Sabbath day. I could just come to the feet of Jesus starting Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and find rest at the feet of Jesus where he will finally consume my identity, consume my mind, consume me with the God of presence living in me. If that's you right now, watch this step of boldness. And you need prayer. Maybe no one will even pray for you. Maybe God's hand will just touch you and the Lord will start interceding for you. We're going to worship the Lord real quick in a song. Trust me, the truck is cooking still, so we've got to give him a minute to finish the meal. But if that's you, I don't even want you to wait. I want you to run up to this altar, get on your knees. And I want you to say, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm like that demoniac man. Come on, don't even wait for it. Right now, I need freedom. I need this rest which I've come to recognize that it's in nothing that I do or in anything that I can accomplish but it's found in Jesus I come to his feet I need rest in my life I need Jesus to clothe me I need him to soothe my mind my soul I need it I need healing in my life I need healing in my family I need just rest I need I need his peace I need his comfort I am that man so as we sing a song that's you don't even hold back Come here, we're going to believe with you and declare that freedom and that rest over your life. Like my mom prophesied that day, that door will be opened and you will enter into that place of presence. You will enter into that place of rest. So as we sing a song to him and you know God is shaking your spirit and you know that's you, maybe, maybe you come up here and you just tug at me and say, I'm also going to get baptized today too. Amen. We'll go and celebrate. Come on, we're going to get baptized as well. And, but if that's you right now, as we just spend some time in his glory, in his presence, feel free to come up here. We want to pray with you and, and say, Lord, I'm like that man who needs that rest. I'm like that man who needs that mind right. I'm like that man that needs to be dressed again. I'm like that man that needs to be made whole, Lord. I'm like that man that needs to walk away from this encounter today. I walk away from this encounter today, not just saying I had an encounter, but man, I have an embrace now. Let me tell you about the one who now lives in me. My encounter has finally become an embrace. So come on. As we sing to the Lord and as we seek him, how many of you need to just say and give up your life and surrender and say, that's me. I come boldly before this altar. I come boldly before the throne of grace. Let's do it.
Love it, Lord. Hallelujah.